What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Podcasting Power Hour with your host, Jeff Townsend, a.k.a. the Indie Podcast Father. I'm your co-host, Greg, from Indie Drop-In Network. Podcasting Power Hour is recorded live every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Twitter Spaces. Every week, an experienced panel of podcasters and other experts will tackle your podcasting questions. We will, of course, put links to all of our guests and any relevant information in the show notes. All right, let's get this party started. All right, let's go ahead and kick it off. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, no time like the present. Mm, Yes, true that. B-double-E-double-R-U-N, beer run. Thanks for listening and thanks for telling a friend. Welcome to Podcasting Power Hour. I'm Jeff Townsend, and my best friend Greg is co-hosting with me today. How are you doing, Gregory? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks, everybody, for coming to the Podcasting Power Hour. We have an unbelievable show today. We're going to talk to none other than Fuzz Martin about, Mm. about how to pitch your show to journalists and other content creators. And in the podcast world, that's pretty much just James Cridlin. Then (laughs) when and not to send, when to and not to send a press release. So since I don't know how to do it at all, it's all not to on this end of the mic. And then, you know, if you decide to send one, what the hell goes into a press release? I mean, I just DM people. Oh, wait, should I DM this reporter? Question mark. We're going to find out. Wow. I thought by PR you meant Puerto Rico. So we're talking press release. Okay. That's sweet. That's sweet. Speaking of the man, <laughs> speaking of the man mentioned, Fuzz, what's going on, man? Good evening, everybody, or good afternoon, James. Uh, what's happening? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking PR. I am a partner at an ad agency in Milwaukee, and I, outside of, after my broadcast career, I was in PR for a number of years uh, in this role at this agency, and, and now I uh, oversee a whole bunch of stuff, but PR is included in that. And we'll talk about some of the things that Greg mentioned and what you should and shouldn't do. And James can probably give us uh, even more things than what he hates to see and what he gets every single day. I shot him an invite. I don't know if he'll accept it or not. We'll go ahead and move on to Jim Mallard. The man's PR consists of going outside and yelling at his neighbors. That's right. On a podcast. That's right. You yell at anybody that walks by and anybody that asks you, what are you how are you? Well, you should hear about my podcast. Just, just like back in the day when people used to show you pictures of their kids or their grandkids, you just tell them now you have a podcast. It's just about the same thing. Fair enough. Thank you, Jim. Hall of Famer Dave Jackson's with us this evening. Dave, how are you excited about this topic? How do you feel about it? I am. I uh, my PR is like tonight. I went walking around a park with a shirt that said AkronPodcast.com on it. That was about the extent of my. P- Most of mine is all like. You know, stuff in business cards and books and things that really don't work, but it makes you feel good because you're doing something. 
So I'm, I'm looking forward to actually finding out what to do that will actually work. There you go. You got to get the QR code on those business cards, brother. Dave Jackson getting listeners one at a time. That's it. You guys are all talking about marketing, not public relations. Those are different things. True that. Oh, shit. What did I sign us up for? Are we getting into press kits and all that tonight? Mm. I mean, we could do press kits. Mm. I'm good. Is press kits the same thing as a happy meal? Oh, wait, never mind. Yes, if you do it right. James Cridlin is up with speaker. Of course, he is the founder, genius behind Pod News. James, how's it going over there in Australia? Uh, it's going very well. I am in a uh, coffee shop, and it's 11 in the morning, in case you're wondering. And so apologies I called, for the noise. I called it. <laughs> Indeed. No, I'm not going to lie, James. I asked, I asked Google what time it was in Sydney, so I was off by a time zone there, so I apologize. Do you even listen yeah. to Pod News? He tells you what city he's in every single every single day. Yeah, I know, but I I I unfortunately I'm an ignorant American who doesn't look at things <laughs> I only right. Say, I only say where I am um, when I'm not at home. If you see what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. yeah, interesting. And then there's a and then there's a from Brisbane the day that I come home, and then and then I drop where the location is again because otherwise it'll just get boring. True that. Man, tricky, tricky. Inside baseball. So we'll get to Neil Headley here. <laughs> my, my good friend, Neil Headley. But James did post something in the feed. Uh, I'm not able to see on my screen what it is besides something on his website. So I'll, what are we I'm going to introduce Neil when it's, when it's my turn, uh, Jeff. Uh, okay. No, well, no, go ahead. Then we'll get into that. Go ahead. All right. Next up is Neil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the reason he said that. Because when the show notes for last week's Podcasting Power Hour came out, it listed off everybody that participated. It was Ariel Nissenblatt, Dave Jackson, it was Jeff Townsend, and Neil. Uh, so, yeah. But apparently it was an AI copywriter uh, that handled all of that. And, of course, everybody I think that's here knows how I feel about AI copywriting. Oh, Listen, amazing. I'm, I'm psyched about uh, the topic. I, I have... I've received probably uh, compared to the number of uh, pitches that I've sent, I receive pitches on about a 100,000 to one ratio because the one pitch I ever sent out uh, for a, a podcast that I was doing a few years ago, it got picked up by everybody. Uh, so I, I'm batting a thousand, but I'm assuming that that's because I got lucky. Like I even got a mention in pod news. So mm. I feel like I had horseshoes stuffed someplace and I'm excited to listen to this episode this week to figure out whether I was handling it right or whether I just got lucky. Uh, it sounds painful, <laughs> but no, thanks Neil for joining us. Always great awesome. to have you. Of course, Greg, you want to go ahead and kick it off with uh, mayor McFuzzy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, fuzz needs no introduction, but what I was thinking is because we always have this esteemed panel up here and we've never really tapped into the core knowledge. And so fuzz is going to go first. So fuzz, do you want to just start with like, what are the rules around like pitching to journalists? We'll go to content creators after the journalist. Yeah. So I think the big thing, and and I think one of you mentioned it while you were doing the intro here on, uh, you know, James being the one you want to pitch to, but unless you're, doing a podcast about podcasts, James probably isn't the one you want to pitch to. So 
uh, really, I think the biggest thing that you should all know before you pitch anybody is know, know what the journalist that you're pitching to writes about or talks about and um, don't pitch them something that is completely off target because it's just going to end up in spam or you'll annoy them or get blocked or uh, ridiculed on the internet. So uh, really, I, I think the big thing to know is you really want to know who your audience is and then know who the people are that talk to your audience or that your audience interacts with on a daily basis. Well, like if you're doing sports, you know, you know, which sports programming kind of fits within the the world that you're doing. You know, if you're talking about football, you don't want to go to a tennis writer or a, you know, somebody who writes about badminton. I don't know. Um, but also in that same regard, you know, just because you have a podcast and maybe something's cool is happening, you want to necessarily uh, send a pitch to the New York times because that isn't necessarily who you're audience is going to be. So know your audience, know the people who write to your audience and appropriately pitch to those people, your story. That's going to make sense for the content that they put out. Um, one way to really think about it is, and I think, uh, Neil, you were just talking about, actually, uh, James, go ahead. You've got your hand up. Why don't you, uh, chime in? Well, I was going to jump in with a couple of things. Um, firstly, I'm interested in, in, in any podcast. Um, so I'm not just interested in podcasts about podcasts. So that's um, probably the first thing. I, I, I think from my point of view, I'm most interested in podcasts which are newsworthy, which have some kind of news associated with them. So, so Cochrane's Geek News is going to be in pod news today because it was his, I think it's his 14th year anniversary of doing that show. That is a, you know, that is a newsworthy thing. Um, and uh, that will be in there. I, I guess um, the pitches that I don't like particularly much are those pitches which are, um, I've got a podcast, look. Um, and that's great, but that's not. There's no reason for me to put you in. There's no newsworthy story there. There's nothing, you know. Uh, it isn't a new launch. It isn't a, a new season. Uh, you haven't got an amazing guest on. It, it's just a story about I've got a podcast, and that's not really a story. So I suppose on on one side, um, you know, there is uh, there is that. Um, I did hear earlier somebody saying about press kits, um, and press kits are great for people buying advertising, and they're perfect for that. They're useless for anybody writing about your your uh, podcast, because at the end of the day, all that we want is a story. We want something which is newsworthy about the particular show that you're doing, um, and a press kit has lots of exciting information about the podcast, but it doesn't contain anything which is newsworthy. So it's the newsworthy stuff, which is the most important thing. So, uh, yeah, so that's what I would say on that. Thanks, James. And I apologize for uh, uh, saying that people shouldn't reach out to you with uh, most of their podcasts. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, well, do, you mean, do you mean that podcasters are primarily his audience? Was that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm saying, yes, correct. That, you know, so what, James is talking to every single day is other podcasters. And if that's who you want to reach, then that's, that's great. And if you want to celebrate something, as he was saying, I mean, and, and there's something newsworthy to the podcast industry, certainly 
send it his way. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. It, so so quite a lot of quite a lot of PR companies, for example, will use me because they want to show off that they have that this particular podcast is signed with this particular network, for example, or they might want to show off and say that um, you know it's it's the fifth year anniversary of this of this show, and that's absolutely fine because you know again that is. That is information that people buying advertising would be um, would be interested in knowing, and those are other people who read the newsletter that I do. But yeah, you, you're absolutely right. If you are, you know, Evo Terra writes a, a newsletter about audio fiction podcasts that have finished. So if you send him a uh, a press release about a interview podcast which is just starting, then, <laughs> then that's a waste of your time and a waste of his. So you're absolutely right. Making sure that you know what that particular journalist is writing about uh, is really cool. And also making sure that you're contacting them in the right way. Um, you know, I much prefer email um, uh, just because my workflow is taking emails and throwing those into the right uh, days. Um, and so a DM on uh, Twitter or something will normally be replied by me sending, saying, hey, send me an email. <laughs> that would be really cool. Um, so just making sure that you do that. But uh, yeah, again, that's going to be different to, for, for uh, everyone, unfortunately. So are you telling me not to keep blowing up your DM inbox, James? <laughs> Stop sliding into my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's so easy. I mean, it, it, people are journalists like you are so accessible now with Twitter and and those kind of things that it makes it easy and tempting for people to want to do that. But you get hit every day from I don't know how many emails and DMs do you think you receive in a day, James? Oh, in terms of emails, way too many. Um, I mean, I've got. Uh, I've got thousands of unread emails in my in my inbox, and that, by the way, is another thing. Please, please do follow up if I've not covered something that you think that I should have covered. Please do follow up. The worst that you'll get is an email from me. Not interesting. I'm not covering it. <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah. But I, I I do get I do get an awful lot, and it's a case of sometimes working out what the most interesting is for that particular day. If the um, you know, the newsletter is getting too full. The, uh, so at Epic, we use a program called Cision, which is the kind of the industry standard for PR list building and, and finding out who the contact is at each different uh, publication outlet, um, you know, news media uh, outlet, et cetera. Um, they put out a state of the media every year. And when, we, when we're talking about DMing or not DMing, uh, they said that 30, they did a survey of uh, journalists, 34% prefer not that you do not DM them. 12% said they hate it and they will absolutely block you. Uh, 23% said it ex it's acceptable and 27% said it depends on the approach, but only 4% said they actually prefer a DM. So email and I, I think probably need to step back and go all the way back here to the beginning and say, um, before you start pitching people, you really need to know what you want to accomplish in all of this. So, uh, you know, if your goal, what is your goal of sending a press release? Is it that you have a new show? Is it that you have, you know, it, it has to be something newsworthy as James said earlier. And 
to, so you should first determine whether you really need to start reaching out to people or not. If you have something newsworthy or you don't, because if you don't have something newsworthy and you just have your want to get your name out there and, and some things out there, then you're probably looking to start doing some marketing and advertising public relations and, and publicity is probably not the spot that you need to be in at the moment until you have something that is worthy of a news outlet or publication picking up your information. So really start at the beginning and know what you want to say first before you start sending people your message and, and your pitch about your show. It's, uh, it's important that you are respectful of the time of people like James and people uh, in, in all the different um, media outlets that you may be pitching. And, and then next, I would say, make a list of where you think that your content would make sense. So if you have a news story, uh, I would write down on a piece of paper and say, or you know, spreadsheet, Evernote, whatever you use, and say, here's the places where I think I could see this story, you know, living and and making sense for that that news outlet, not for me, but for that news outlet. And then work to say, okay, for this news outlet, I'm going to pitch them on this angle and I'm going to, um, you know, for this different uh, news outlet, I might take a different angle because they talk about something slightly different and those kind of things. So start with what you want to accomplish, make sure that it's actually newsworthy, then find the publications that will make sense for you and then find the people and, and start by emailing them. So, Hey, Fuzz, how, how do you gauge if something is newsworthy? Because with all the alternate media channels, what would be newsworthy, like you, your, your example to the New York Times, uh, you know, what would be newsworthy to Evo would not be newsworthy to the New York Times, right? Like, how do you, how do you gauge that? Isn't it kind of incumbent on the journalist to say, I believe this is newsworthy? Well, one, yes, sure. It is, it is incumbent upon the news, uh, the, the journalist to determine that, but you have to do your homework first. And, you know, uh, so my main show right now is a show about things happening in Washington County, Wisconsin, right? So I know that what I'm doing wouldn't matter to uh, the, you know, the New York Times, unless it was a story about a, uh, you know, local ex uh, morning show host doing a, uh, it, it just wouldn't make sense unless something bad happened to my show. I probably wouldn't happen and uh, end up in the New York times. Um, so you, it's really incumbent upon you to determine what would make sense where before you go out and start, you know, blank, wasting your time pitching to places that wouldn't make sense. You don't want to, you know, you, we know how hard it is to do social media and to, you know, edit your podcast and, you know, find guests and do all the different things that you do every week. If you are also wasting your time pitching way above where you should be pitching or to places that are just, you know, pie in the sky places, you're just wasting your own time. So uh, it is on the journalist to determine whether it makes sense to them or not, but some of them are really easy and you should be able to kind of determine that yourself. If you're saying, um, you know, I write it, um, you know, I'm interviewing, uh, you know, you know, Aaron Rodgers from the green Bay Packers, uh, this week, will that make sense to, uh, every place? No, there are certain places where that would make sense. And there are certain places where that, that definitely, you know, the wall street journal wouldn't care. So don't, don't send something to the wall street journal. Um, 
and they'll pick that off right away and they'll either just trash it or, you know, block you or whatever that might be. So, um, now if it gets to that gray area, that's where, you know, you're pitching and that's where you can, uh, you, you get into the, the approach and how you, um, you know, research the journalists, know what they, what it is that they write about, know their style that they use when they're writing and pitch them in a style that will help make their job easy. Um, and whether they determine whether or not your content fits, um, is on them, but you know, it's, it's really goes back to making sure you're sending, you've got the right story that you're sending to the right people. And then they can decide from there whether or not they feel it's right. Cause it's, you know, their job. So, so, so is the generic press release dead? No, not at all. Cause it sounds like kind of a customized approach you're, you're advocating for. No, well, for pitching, yes. For a, a, a general press release it would be, you know, um, you know, indie podcasts has its, you know, 3 billionth listen. Um, you know, that's a big deal to people in the, the podcast industry, say, let's say. So they're probably, I don't know, 50 most in the uh, podcast industry. So you can, uh, you can certainly send a press release to that list of those journalists and uh, you'd probably get picked up in, in that regard. But if you're um, looking for an individualized story, I wouldn't send a press release about that. It, it, a press release needs to be something that's newsworthy. You know, you're picked up by a, um, a podcast network or you are a podcast network and you signed a, a big celebrity or something like that. Those are all definitely press release worthy, but not, you know, you, you don't want to send that for a press release for, you know, I got my thousandth listen or, um, you know, something that's, uh, you know, uh, not necessarily yeah, more, newsworthy, more common, right? You correct. Wanna, yep. It correct. needs to be uncommon. Right. You know, really. Exactly. Now, if you want to put a press release on your own website and like write it for yourself, you know, fine, it's content, but, um, you could just write a blog post, I guess at that point. So what yeah. are the questions you guys have? Yeah. Just a, just a reminder, uh, hit the, hit the button to come up and ask fuzz a question about PR. He knows a bunch of other things too, by the way. So, uh, if you're, if your uh, question, you know, weaves into marketing, we're not gonna, you know, we're not going to yell at you. The one, the one thing I was just going to add to what Fuzz was saying is that, you know, a, a standard press release is fine. Uh, make sure you include pictures because it may not have, uh, you know, you may have realized that uh, most websites have a space for a picture. Um, and so including a picture is probably a good plan. But if you, um, when you're pitching a story, the covering email is probably where you where you explain why it's newsworthy for that particular outlet. So um, something that is newsworthy for Pod News might might be quite different to newsworthy for a local paper, for example, if those still exist where you are. Um, so being able to you know a really a really easy way of getting coverage in a local newspaper is to send them a press release about your podcast and include in the in the email, I think this is newsworthy because this is a show which is produced by a, a man in Wisconsin um, and, you know, in his basement and he's been doing it for two years and it's now the, 
you know, in the listen notes, top 2% of podcasts in the world, as pretty well every, every podcast is. Um, and that will probably get you, get you coverage in, the, in that paper because it's a local news story. It has a good local angle. You've got a photograph which will make it four times as large in that paper. Um, and so that's a very different, you know, a very different uh, thing. So I think um, just tailoring the email that you send along with that standard press release is a good plan too. When you were talking earlier about press kits, James, I, one of the things that, you know, we can say, uh, some call it a newsroom, some call it a press kit or a media kit. I think living online and having an area where you can easily direct the media to, here's a download uh, of our high res photo of either, you know, the host or the, the, uh, the hosts of the show and also bios and those kind of things where it's easily accessible so that you can just send one link and say, here's a link to all of this information. Here's our, you know, all of our handles, here's all of the links and here's, uh, you know, all the downloads that you might need. That's typically what we do. And we've got a, um, uh, you know, a newsroom or a, a press kit in that regard, not necessarily like a media kit that we would mail out or as something like that, but just making it easy, your job easier, knowing that you're on a deadline and you're going to ask for that information anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Those are super helpful. And I think, you know, uh, please don't send something that says photographs available on request. Because <laughs> uh, what you've just done there is just slowed everything down. Um, so a link, a link to a, you know, a drive on Google or on Dropbox. Um, the other thing, obviously, is make sure that that drive is actually publicly available. Um, don't, <laughs> don't just share it with that particular journalist because he might not be using, he or she might not be using the same email address that you have just sent. Um, so just make sure that it's, you know, available uh, to get on a website is even better. So, yeah. One thing that we've learned. And so at my agency, we have, you know, we work with some of the very large brands that all of you would know, whether you're in the U S or Australia or, or anywhere else. And one thing that we've learned is a lot of times we win because we win and we get pickups in publications because we have the information readily available and we make the time uh, extremely short or we provide those things right away so that the journalists, you know, the journalists are always on a deadline and they're always very, these days, especially very short staffed, very short on time. So doing whatever you can to remove obstacles for them getting their job done, which would be responding. If they reply to you, respond as fast as you can uh, with that information make sure it's accurate, but respond as, as quickly as you can uh, because they're looking to get their job done. And by you not responding or, you know, taking a day or thinking about it, it takes, it makes their job harder and you might just get passed up. So we've won a lot of things be, that, you know, uh, we may not have because our, our team is really well trained on making sure that we're on top of things and that we're going to help make the journalist's job easier and be their resource, not make them our resource. Fuzz, how would, how do you approach like um, newsletters or al alternate channels? Right, they're not um, you know very industry specific things. So, a newsletter, alternate channels, even other podcasts. It's really about knowing again who you're talking to. So, what is the what is that newsletter about? 
is the content that I'm pitching going to fit well within that newspaper or newsletter, excuse me, or am I just spamming them with a hope of uh, somebody picking me up somewhere? It's providing value to, you know, let's think about it, flip it around. Okay. So each of us on here, you're probably listening to podcasting power hour because you have a podcast. If not, um, you're just really interested in podcasting, but each of us has shows. Each of us has some way of people contacting us. Now imagine somebody sending you a, a request to be a guest on your show and finding out a, you don't take guests or B uh, it's not something that you would ever consider talking about and think about how annoying that might be. Now think about, all right, you have this show and somebody, you know, maybe you have a show about, uh, you know, finance and somebody reaches out and, and they're a financial expert with an interesting take on something. You're more likely to pick that up and either put them in your newsletter or take them on as a guest. Whereas if you are, uh, you know, if it's, you have a financial newsletter and they, send you a pitch about comic books, you're just going to throw that in the trash. And that's really the way to look at that is, you know, find out what, who your audience typically is listening to outside of your show and what newsletters they're subscribing to. And then, uh, you know, write to them in a way that would make sense and, you know, make sure you subscribe to that newsletter. So you know, what's in it. Um, there's nothing worse than, uh, you know, pitching content to somebody and, and, having no idea what they talk about or, or what they write about. So um, do your homework, know their audience, and you're going to be in, even though the, the number of places that you're sending pitches to is going to be much smaller, your close rate is going to be much higher. And the time that you spend uh, doing your PR is going to drop significantly. Go ahead and take a minute here and go around the room and, <clears throat> excuse me, discuss what we've taken in so far. Fuzz, this has been some great information, man. Thanks, dude. Brother. All right, Greg, go ahead, man. What do you think? I mean, I learned a lot. I mean, what, and I'm sure I'm about to learn more, but what I struggle with is kind of understanding like what's in it for me and what's in it for them. Because when I'm thinking about a press release, I'm honestly just thinking about what's in it for me. And, you know, that's the wrong approach, you know, which, which I think I, I knew, but, um, but, you know, that's the reason I'm doing it. I think that's the reason most people put out these press releases, especially, you know, positive ones is because they're trying to generate interest about something they want, you know, interest generated about. And, um, you know, I, I'm just trying to think about my stuff and, and figuring out like, when does the line go to the middle where it's just as good for the journalist as it is for me? And maybe that's my indicator where a press release might be interesting. And I, I honestly don't know if I know that line, like, you know, I released three new shows and I, you know, want to put a press release out on that, but you know, that's really self-serving, honestly. Like, why is that interesting to, to anyone? So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe that's just a statement, but fuzz, you, you twisted my brain. Well, I, uh, I'm glad I twisted your brain because otherwise you may have, uh, sent a bunch of press releases to people that didn't necessarily need them. But if you're, if you're writing to somebody that's about true crime or, you know, spooky podcasts or comedy, you know, like your, that might 
be a hit for them. So that's fine. It's just a, a matter of knowing to whom those are going and making sure that's to the right people. Dave, what's up? Well, I was just going to say, um, James said the magic word and, and so have a bunch of other people in terms of Greg saying like, what's in it for the reporter is the magic word story. So in the same way that Google doesn't just want words, they want good words. And so if your press release shows a cool story where, you know, I started this podcast, but it's, you know, I was homeless and lived in my car and was stealing Wi-Fi from Starbucks or something. That's a better story than, hey, we're up to episode 100. Uh, I know for me, I didn't do this stuff. I, I waited till the last minute, went to the local newspaper, found out who covered it, sent them an email and kind of went, look, local boy does good. And that was about it. And the other thing you have to keep in mind, especially because we're talking about a podcast as much as we think podcasting is huge and great, we're still at many times the small, very small, you know, fishbowl. We're, we're a big fish in a very small pond. And so uh, in my case, contacting the local paper, they're like, look, if you're not sports, money, sex, or, you know, finance, we're not going to really cover it. And so local boy does good went on deaf ears, partly because I did it wrong. But also in some cases, you might do it right. Then they're just like, yeah, like you were saying, know who you're talking to, know who they are talking to because they're looking for a good story. Now, one thing that you could do, though, in, in the local boy does right story, Dave, is uh, alumni newsletters. Um, you know, your, uh, you know, your old high school, uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't say your book, but, you know, they're they're. Uh, either printed or, or email newsletters and those kind of things would be a place where that story might be like, Oh, look at Dave. He, you know, you guys remember Dave from class of whatever, here's something he's doing now. And that's, you know, it's a touch point and it's super easy. They're always looking for content and those kind of things would be, would be good in that regard. So um, you just got to think about where that story yeah, would fit. That's now I have three people to contact. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, and, and that goes back to that, Greg, is the, you know, what, what is James Cridlin looking for? He's looking for people to like, share, subscribe, uh, you know, reshare his, his news stories because that's how he generates revenue is from that traffic. So the story that you put out there has got to be something that somebody in his audience is going to read, you know, cause them to click the subscribe button cause them to click on a link, hopefully click on a, uh, a sponsor link, those kind of things. So it's a, you know, it's really about making sure that what you're putting out there is going to fit within their product. Yeah. Cause that helps, that helps the person creating the story too, right? Because you want that same thing. Like that's the channel for you to get clicks back, you know, into your podcast or, or, or whatever. It's really, really the, you know, everybody kind of wants the same thing. Um, but you know, I, I want it on every single thing I think about. <laughs> so it's different. <laughs> yeah. And there's always that, that natural want, but there's a thing that, that will accomplish that. And that's called advertising and paying for those paying for that advertising. Podcasting power hour is part of indie drop-in network. If you are a podcaster looking to grow your listeners, check out 
IndieDropIn.com. Indie Drop-In is always free, and we have opportunities right now for comedy, true crime, scary, and paranormal podcasts. Just go to IndieDropIn.com to learn more. I will give you one thing that I highly, highly, highly recommend against if you're ever in this position, and that is do not ever, ever, unless you're a financial outlet or you're a, uh, perhaps if you're, I guess in podcasting, it would work if you are a network and you've picked up somebody or you are a podcaster and you got picked up by a network, but do not use Newswire services. It is just a great way to spend your money and end up on a uh, robots no follow link on some website somewhere. So what a newswire service is, is a place where you can pay to have your press release published. And it is just a ripoff for anybody. Uh, and it's really, it's used when, you know, there's a financial, uh, you know, a publicly, publicly traded company, uh, you know, reports their earnings or those kind of things. And they have to put some stuff out. But the, uh, a lot of mistakes I, I see people make, they'll spend, you know, 700 plus dollars to, uh, get their story in the New York times. And it, it does end up on a, you know, www.newyorktimes.com, uh, page. And it is, uh, it, it, it's just really a scam. And I highly recommend against it. If you're ever thinking about it or you're ever approached about doing it, I uh, do not recommend it. You can DM me and I'll tell you more why. Awesome. Well, that sucks. <laughs> no, go ahead, Jim. I was going to say, cause I, well, I, it's been years since I did that thing, but I mean, I was just gambling, trying to find that little bit of traction. So thanks Fuzz, for making, confirming that fact for me that that wasn't the way to do it. Yeah. It's so, that. you know, you know, like little uh, PR agency, tip is you know the the companies that will do that or if an agency tells you they'll do something like that, if you reach out to somebody and have them do that a lot of times they're just looking to pad their stats right so you can say with one click i can get you on to cnbc and uh you know msnbc and cnn and new york times and all that but nobody will ever ever see it there's no backlink to that story anywhere except for maybe a um you know some uh, you know RSS feed or something somewhere, but there is no, nothing good that will come of it except for you losing your money. You would be much better spent spending that $700 and some other sort of advertising that's specific to your show and your audience. Neil, what are your thoughts so far as we're pretty far into this actually? Yeah. Um, look, there's a million different ways to go here. Um, I got a PR list from somebody that I think a bunch of us already follow who's got about, uh, closing in on a million followers on Twitter, uh, a music business PR guy who literally gave me his list. Um, and it's tens of thousands of media contacts in, in a big, uh, Excel spreadsheet. And I can't think of a single time in the four years that I've had this list that I've sent something to more than 10 people on it simply because I am hyper careful about who I'm sending stuff to, whether it serves them. And so this idea that you're going to type up something in MailChimp and just hit to everybody in your contact list, 
don't ever do that. That's just a really quick way to get your email address blocked and they will never ever see anything that you ever send ever again in the entirety of your existence. Um, that having been said, when you can identify people that you're going to send stuff with, first of all, don't necessarily look at all the traditional places. You know, if you've, if you've booked a great guest, if you've got a, if you've got a star Wars podcast and, uh, you managed to book an interview with Mark Hamill, the temptation is there to all of a sudden e-blast everybody that's on, on your list of contacts. Don't. Um, maybe pick to get started with a couple dozen that are hyper-focused on that marketplace already. Maybe they're people who also do Star Wars podcasts, or maybe it's, um, you know where I'm going. It's, it's focus on people who will find particular interest in what you're doing, and it doesn't just get added to another pile of stuff that they're already in the middle of rejecting anyway. Keep in mind that the, the journalists, the James Cridlins of the world, and, and you know, uh, when Fuzz was in radio, when I was in radio, uh, they get literally, it's not uncommon to get 100 pitches in a day. Um, and so it's what's going to make your pitch jump out at me. It's It's... One of the things that I harp on when people say, you know, um, that why do I need to learn how to be a copywriter if I'm a podcaster? Well, one of the reasons is because the pitch that you're going to write is a giant ad. And if it's not a really well-written ad, then you're not going to get any of the coverage that you think you're hoping for. Give me a subject line in your email that is going to make opening your email absolutely irresistible. Make the first sentence of your email absolutely irresistible so that I can't help but read the rest of it. When it comes down to doing homework, don't just pitch me what's going on on your show. Come up with the angle that will make it irresistible to me. It's great that you got an, uh, an interview with Mark Hamill for your Star Wars podcast. That's terrific. So what? What is it about Mark Hamill being on your show that I am going to find so irresistible that I want to sit down and write a story about it? Because tons of people get, get interviews with Mark Hamill. But what is it about yours? It's kind of like when you put together your promo for your show, all the other different things. What makes what you're pitching to me so unusual or so interesting that I cannot help but invest some time and attention in this thing. And that may entail recognizing that you're punching above your skill set. You know, you may be biting off more than you can chew and you need to reach out to a Fuzz Martin, for example, and go, hey, here's this thing I got going on. Uh, can you either help me with it or point me to somebody who can help me with it and see if you can help me streamline all this information. Because I guarantee you, half the people in the room right now are going, seriously, you want to write an email to somebody at the New York Times and try to get coverage for my podcast. And they won't even sit down and write to whom it may concern because even the thought of it on its own is overwhelming. Uh, so recognize when that's biting off more than you can chew as well. And, you know, use the resources that are out there in the world for people that are ready to help you. I just posted a link in the chat. Uh, it's something that I share with new employees and new PR people. It's called, uh, it's a blog post from uh, a woman named Carrie Morgan. It's called pitching for new PR pros. The magic is an understanding who, not just how. 
And it, it this is a really great list on who at each location you should, should pitch. Cause if you, if you go to, uh, you know, um, let's say, you know, you pick the New York times, you have to determine who should even get that email. There are hundreds of people that are thousands, perhaps that are working there. You need to know, uh, if you're going to send that, if you're going to shoot your shot, you're not going to send it to everyone at newyorktimes.com. Uh, you're going to want to send it to the most appropriate person. And it differs based on the, whether it's a, you know, a broadcast outlet, a podcast. And, and this article is a little bit out of date. So there are things like, you know, podcast producer, I don't think is in this article and, uh, you know, website producer may not be, but there are specific people at each place that you should be pitching. If it's a TV show, you're going to want to get the assignment desk. And if it's a, you know, timely story, you're going to want, you know, the morning or the evening assignment desk and those kind of things. Um, and it's really knowing, you know, not just what you should be pitching, but to whom you should be pitching. And the chances that you are going to write the same pitch to every single media outlet, slim to none. You are not going to write the same pitch letter, for example, to try and get your guest on the Joe Rogan show as you're going to write to the Christian Science Monitor. So for crying out loud, don't send them both the same email with different contact info at the top. I was really curious of, uh, I, I was wondering who you were going to juxtapose with, uh, Joe Rogan. So I, I immediately, I went to the view. So, uh, yeah. So I was, I was just thinking anybody that's ever read a book. <laughs> well, can I, can I jump Fuzz, off on that? Fuzz, I have a question. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, James. I'll, just, I'll, I'll get back to mine. I, mine's been floating around my head for a while. So go ahead. I was, I was just going to ask Fuzz, um, when, do you add an embargo to your stories? I'd add an embargo if it was an absolutely, um, if there was a legal reason to add an embargo. So um, if you are going to say something that investors aren't allowed to know about yet, or if uh, you are going to be um, perhaps uh, unveiling a new product or something, you know, and from a PR sta- or from a podcast standpoint, I'm not sure. Perhaps it's if there's a, a guest that's going to be on that you can't promote until, you know, the, you know, a certain date or time because of a, um, a commitment that they have prior, you don't want to, you know, there's, can I ask t- you a, yeah. Can I ask you a steering, uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go a ahead. question, a question with a steering answer. Do you, would your advice be to not put an embargo on a press release unless it is really absolutely necessary? I would probably say in my 15 years doing this, that I would, I I may have sent an embargo once or twice and, and the embargoes that I send, I go to the, uh, to the journalists that I know uh, well and say, Hey, uh, we've got this story. Here it is. You can't, we, we can't talk about it until this date. Call me if you have any questions. Um, I would, yeah, don't, don't, don't embargo unless it's makes sense. Embargo is one of those. So to those who don't know, embargo means that like, please do not send this press release. You're not allowed to send this press release until this certain date. You can't talk about this, but it's really, you know, there's gotta be a reason to do it. It's not just, 
uh, selfishly, you don't want, you know, your, your show isn't ready or whatever that might be. Just if that's the case, wait until your, your thing is ready and then send the press release when things are ready. I don't know, James, did I go in the right direction for you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One of the most frustrating things is being sent a story and then it's embargoed for eight in the morning and I publish at seven New York time. And so it, it appears at eight in the morning and I'm there going, man, I, I can't cover it for another 23 hours. Why <laughs> did you stick a ridiculous embargo on there? And, and there are, uh, you know, financial reasons and, and all of that, but it, it is a frustration. And I think, um, you know, knowing when to cover a story is really helpful. Uh, quite a lot of the conversations I was having at Podcast Movement with PR companies this year were around when do you want me to cover this stuff? Do you want me to cover a new podcast when the trailer has come out? Do you want me to cover that new podcast when the first episode is out? What is better for you? What is better for, you know, um, for that particular show? And pretty well everybody replied, uh, you know, when they send me the release um, and they say that a trailer is now available, that's when they want it to be mentioned. And if they wait until the first show is out, the first full episode is out, then that's when they want it to be mentioned. And actually, you know, you don't need to worry about embargoes and stuff. Just, you know, just let me know when, when, when you want to be covered. And that's probably the right time when I'll, when I'll end up doing that. So, uh, yeah, so I was just sort of curious from your point of view, but uh, embargoes really annoy me. <laughs> Do you, I, I was always curious from a journalist side when, somebody sends you something embargo do you what do you do it's like do you have a like a file on your desktop or something where do you put those <laughs> embargoes well so down? i mean the, there are two reasons when people send an embargo and one reason is that they want to control the uh, the coverage so that all the coverage ends up at the same time and so google for example google has just released the pixel 7 the brand new uh, phone They've released the Pixel Watch, brand new watch. Um, that is out with journalists at the moment. But Google has basically said, you can review this, but you can only release that. The review is going to be on embargo until, and then they'll give a date, which I think is Thursday. And so the first time that you see any reviews will all be on that Thursday because Google wants to make a big splash because Thursday is the day when the new phone is for sale and when the new watch is for sale. So. You know, so they'll end up doing that. Um, and that's helpful for journalists because it means that we can sit there and we can actually spend the time doing a review. And a review, of course, is very different to a story. Um, but that's sort of that's sort of helpful. If it's just a story that, you know, and, and I've got plenty, um, that is is embargoed until a certain date, all I will do with that story is that goes into um, into Google Tasks uh, on my on my desktop and it just sits in as a task for that day so i don't read that email again until that day uh when i then end up covering it so that's how i end up uh, doing that um the, the other thing i was just going to mention is that there are some um pr people particularly if you're doing um a story about so-and-so is has just got a new job at our company um, you know, really simple, straightforward stories like that. There are some journalists who, sorry, some PR people who have worked out that the easiest way to cover that, for me to cover that, is for them to write my story. 
and they will paragraph in my style and they will send that over. And that's awesome <laughs> from my point of view, because in most of the cases, it's just a, it's just a straight copy and paste. I will probably tidy it up slightly. Um, but, you know, uh, um, for a simple, straightforward story of, you know, new guy comes to work here, um, then that's then that's really helpful. So, um, yeah, so if, if there are simple things that you can do to make a journalist's life easier, um, we're all lazy, aren't we? So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's always a good plan. Yeah, well, emulating makes it a lot, a lot faster. Uh, or, uh, Neil, if we use AI, perhaps we can just copy... Uh, there you go. Voice. Yeah, I was going to say earlier when I when I mentioned about uh, come up with the angle for me, uh, that's kind of piggybacking off of what James was just saying as well. Like the more of the reporter's work that you can do for them, the happier the reporter will be. Um, if you can give them the angle, if you can structure out what the pull quotes are going to be, the more of that kind of stuff you can do for them in advance. Now, they, you know, occasionally you'll bump into one that's how dare you. Uh, assume the way I would word things or write things, but more often Absolutely. than not, they'll be grateful that you took the effort. Now, James, the reason I stuck my hand up, a uh, quick question for you. In a scenario where, for example, something is embargoed until eight o'clock, but you come out at seven, do you ever have like a second version of pod news that, you know, you release the audio file when the embargo is over on the same day or will you wait that 23 hours or is it a case-by-case -case thing uh so for pod news pod news is first and foremost a newsletter the newsletter goes to many more people than the podcast goes to so um and obviously once you've sent out a newsletter well it's sent so what i will typically do if it's a big story that i would like to cover and i'd like to cover as a you know as a lead story then I will normally go back to the PR company and I'll say, we publish at seven. Um, so either you can be probably number one story on that day, or if you want, um, uh, I can respect your embargo at 8 a.m., but that means that you'll probably get buried um, for, for the next day and, it'll, and it won't really reach as many people. And quite often the PR person will come back and say, yeah, seven's absolutely fine. Um, and so that's typically what happened. I think there's only been one time when I've sent out a, an additional newsletter. Um, and I think it was uh, some purchase of, uh, that uh, Spotify had made, I think. Um, but I think uh, I'm, I'm also very aware that uh, the number one reason that people unsubscribe from the pod news newsletter is that they get too many emails. So... I kind of don't want to send any more. Jim Mallard. I didn't forget about you, buddy. I didn't forget you did, Jeff. I, I wanted to get that good conversation going out of there, and then I went to fifth gear. So, I, I, so I'm glad we cleaned that up before I got in the, my mess because I know we wouldn't get back there. Um, so I, I've been doing this for a while, and I've had some really good luck at guests, but I've always wondered how to approach that at a better clip, Buzz. I just see, like I said, I've had good luck. Don't get me wrong. And I think there is some formula to that. But when I'm sending out two people, it's the same thing as sending out to get in the news. Help me out here. I, I'm not even sure what the question is I'm asking, but I think there's a lot of people out there who are always, this is the, always the advice I give people. Don't be scared to ask somebody. Uh, so I'm sorry, your question. Uh, I, I know well, you well, just said that. My question is when you're going out for a, bi a big name guest or even a. a yeah. Uh, moderately named the you know middle level guests there are some so many people out there who are just scared because 
I've only been doing my podcast six months. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they're like, I, you know, there are people that are scared to approach me, Fuzz, which is absolutely ridiculous because, you know, they don't think, I, you know, I'm approachable or whatever. So how do we break that barrier down when people are sending out that, that request to have somebody else on their show? Well, I mean, it, it, so to think about it, you're recording a show, you're putting your voice on the Internet that can be heard around the world by anybody at any time. And you just want to do, you know, you, you want to do a better job. So I, I guess you're not being bashful by putting your show on uh, out for the world. So don't be bashful when you're sending a pitch to, you know, a guest. I, I think what I'm hearing from you is you're uh, asking how to, uh, to, you know, reach out to perhaps a big name guest. I, I've done it before. I've sent emails. I've, I've DM'd even though I shouldn't DM and has said, you know, like, Hey, um, I, I've done it in my, you know, business world, like, Hey, uh, we follow each other on Twitter. You have this giant brand that, uh, makes stuff that we do. And we do this, you know, we do marketing for businesses like yours. Can we meet? And it's worked. So don't be afraid to, you know, feel uncomfortable and, and take a chance. And, you know, even like if you legitimately have a story that's like New York times worthy, don't feel like, don't hold that back just because I said, don't pitch the New York times. If you legitimately have a story that is newsworthy and it's going to be big, chances are New York times will find out about it anyway, but the don't be afraid to, you know, take a leap, um, but make sure you're not wasting people's time as well. So, you know, know, know you've got something and it's not just your ego wanting more people to hear your show. So there was, we know it's not my ego once people hear my show, but it's interesting interesting because there's such, it's some, there are times, like I said, I've been, I've been lucky. And then there are times it seems like I'm, I'm fishing in the desert. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, the way that it really, you know, it it is, it's part of this, uh, part of this industry, right? You're, you got to put yourself out there if you're going to make it and, and make people find out about you, but also it's best to do it in the right way. Do your homework, know who you're talking to, know, you know, uh, you know, come up with an angle that's going to make it interesting and rewarding for them to whomever you're pitching, whether that's a journalist or a potential guest or whatever that might be, uh, give them the, the reason why it's going to be worth their time and worth, you know, even answering that, that message. And may I just give, um, a little example of um, there was a uh, a podcast that came out quite recently, which had the guests of Hocus Pocus on, which is some movie that I've never seen. But anyway, um, and they were t- and they uh, uh, revealed on this podcast, they revealed that um, there would be a musical version of Hocus Pocus coming to Broadway soon. Um, and the podcast um, uh, managed to contact a few people, got that into the press, and that went everywhere um, because uh, other um, other titles read, you know, obviously read um, uh, stories as well. And so this story went absolutely everywhere. And I, I then got a very pained email from someone who had got exactly the same guest on a podcast more than a year ago who had said exactly the same, there will be a musical for Hocus Pocus coming onto Broadway. And none of the media 
had picked up on that and he was really annoyed. And I said, who did you tell? And he said, well, I didn't tell anybody, you know, it's, it, it was on my podcast and I was kind of there going, well, you know, that, that, that's, that's the thing. Not everybody is going to be listening to your individual show, but there was definitely a story there for next time. You will know to contact, you know, X and Y at these two large entertainment, um, you know, uh, newspapers with that particular story. It's just spotting what that story is. So you've probably got more stories in your shows than you think that you do, actually. All right. <clears throat> we'll go ahead and go into some closing thoughts here. I'm going to go ahead and start out with Dave Jackson. Yeah, I think um, it, it really, a lot of this has just been boiled down to a lot with everything in podcasting. Do your homework. Know who you're talking to. Um, don't wing it. Uh, come up with a good pitch. Maybe throw your pitch by somebody before you throw it to the real person. You get some feedback on that. Uh, realize that uh, you might not be a big, as big a story as you, you think it is, but you do have to tell somebody. I love that story from James. That's awesome. Uh, what, what do you mean you don't listen to my podcast? <laughs> I love that. Uh, so none of this was, I mean, on one hand, it was new. It was great to hear from Fuzz and get it kind of from the, the horse's mouth and from James, but uh, it's, it's a lot of this boils down to things we do every single day. And all you have to do is, you know, get a good AI writer and things will be perfect. Right. Uh, Neil. All I've done is love you, Dave Jackson. All I've done is love you. Um, if that's the baton being handed over, let me just pick it up and, and, and say this, Dave's absolutely right. It's doing your homework. It's just doing the stuff that you're always doing. And hopefully the stuff that you're always doing includes figuring out how to make yourself stand out. Um, it's like I said before, if you're just whipping off an email and sending it to every media contact that you've got, uh, you're not going to get that far. But if you are able to whittle down a few that you absolutely want, maybe you know, for your, and I'll go back to my Mark Hamill example again, maybe for your Mark Hamill interview that's coming up on your Star Wars podcast, maybe focus on just five and write each of them, their very own individual pitch that's about, here's why this should matter to your media outlet, your podcast, your magazine, whatever it is that you happen to do. Don't be afraid to swing for the fences and go for the big ones. And it's the same the same applies when you're trying to get guests for your show. Don't be afraid to swing for the fences because don't forget, you know, you're watching Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or any of the late night TV shows. Um, the celebrities that show up on that show don't show up because they're bored and they don't show up out of the goodness of their heart. They show up because they have a contractual obligation with the people that are putting out their next album, their next book, their next movie, whatever it is, that they have to make X number of media appearances. And so sometimes for the gatekeepers, for those celebrities, it's just which ones sound like they're going to be the most fun. And if it sounds like maybe doing your podcast is going to be more fun than sitting down with the Christian science monitor, then maybe you got a leg up there. Don't be afraid to ask, but come up with an ask that won't get you back an eye roll and get you back a reaction like, wow, they put zero thought into that. Do the work and you should get a better payoff than what you're expecting. 
Beautiful. So we're all agreeing with Dave Jackson. Mind your P's and Q's. Okay. Jim Mallard, did you have a learning experience here this evening? Yeah, I did. I, I, I got to get myself a media kit together. Man, I'm always so far behind when it comes to things on the show. Somebody keep in score because I keep forgetting what I'm doing. But I did create an audiogram using uh, the site from last week, so maybe I'll Ooh. get caught up. That'd be headliner. That's a good little plug there, Jim. Yeah, that was really good. And uh, the added Eddie worked out pretty good, too. So props on that. So we'll see how the media kit turns out this week. James, it's been awesome having you on here and contributing to this conversation. Do you have any closing thoughts, James? He must have spilled his coffee on himself. Fuzz. Save us, Fuzz. Save us. Save us, Fuzz. Save us. Yeah. I, I, so I just, uh, for those of you listening, I, I just posted another article. Uh, this one is a about a podcast. I, I know the uh, the podcaster or one of them who is involved with this. It's a uh, uh, ASMR uh, podcast where, you know, you uh, it's to help people fall asleep. And uh, it it's a fake baseball game. They're all every single show is a fake baseball game and it's designed to help you fall asleep to listening to baseball, but it's not any teams that you know or anything like that. And that's the interesting hook about it. And they sent a pitch to the New Yorker and they picked up this little podcast from Wisconsin and uh, made it big and they've got a really cool animation on the site as well. So uh, uh, check that link out, but that, that really goes to showing the, you know, knowing what your story is that is interesting enough to pitch to an appropriate place that will, you know, pick that up. So, um, again, we've all talked, we beat it to death today, uh, but I appreciate you guys having me on. And if you have any questions, my DMs are always open. You can reach out and I will certainly try to help you out as best as I can. And I wish you the best of luck and uh, prosperity getting your PR. Man, Fuzz, you're great this evening. I really do appreciate it. That was some great information this evening. Greg, take us home. Man, what a great conversation. I learned a lot. So a little homework for anybody listening or listening to the recording. Uh, put together just four sources of news in whatever your niche is. If you don't have a niche, think about four sources, you know, don't, 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 uh, be hitting home runs here. Just, just go for moderately small, normal sources and, and follow them on Twitter, subscribe to their newsletter, maybe start building a little relationship with them. And you might maybe join a space where they're talking about how to pitch to their newsletters. I mean, people participate in the niches they're passionate about, as you can see by everyone in this group. So, uh, so your homework is to do, to find four people that might be interested in your show and become interested in what they're doing. As always, you can listen to the recording of this show at podcastingpowerhour.com. And, you know, if you're interested in here in reading what we talk about, the AI writes mostly okay blogs to go with this podcast and <laughs> and uh, live show. So, so thanks a lot for attending, Jeff. Back to you. All right. We're going to put a wrap on this one. This was a great one. Of course, we are here every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. I can't even tell you what time that is in Australia. I already forgot. I wasn't paying attention, but it's Eastern time. 11 a.m. 11 a.m. 11 a.m. 11 a.m. in Brisbane. Yes. 
<laughs> 11 a.m. in Brisbane. And, and James, you are always welcome to plug this space, and we will never have an embargo on you, man. Just so you know. <laughs> I tried. All right, on that failed attempt, I'm going to go ahead and put a book in on this one. I'll see you next week at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for listening, and thanks for telling a friend. And don't litter. And don't litter. Say no to drugs. Eat cat litter. Don't eat cat litter. That'd be bad. Thank you for listening to the Podcasting Power Hour. Everyone is free to participate on Twitter Spaces every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. To join, just follow Jeff at podcast underscore father or Greg at Indie Dropin. If you found this podcast helpful, go into your podcast app and write a quick review. Other podcasters will see it and know this show is worth listening to. Also, I'll put a few links in the show notes for ways you can support the show. I think by now you know we love our coffee. Have a great week. Did anyone notice how calm this space was? I, mean, so, I don't know what's different about it, but it just it just seems more zen. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I know. know what you're saying right now. <laughs> oh, you're saying because Ed wasn't in here that much. That's what you're saying. Okay. Ed popped in and he raised his hand and I didn't get to him and he dropped off. I, I, I just hope he was just pissed. And he's like, oh, God, I have my hand up. I'm he's special. Like his, his arm got numb. <laughs> oh. went, went to sleep, fell asleep. His dog bit it. I don't know. They yeah. had a couple of trolls trying to come up too, and I, I, I assume I don't know why they would have any interest in speaking in the space. It was very interesting. I saw some of the comments on a couple of Twitter posts, uh, the, the uh, comment posts, and I didn't think they were quite aligned with what we were talking about. <laughs> it's a good try, though. A for effort. Hey Jeff, are you feeling any better, man? You sound like shit. Yeah. Dang. It's oh. not even right. Mm. Well, I had two hours. It was just so calm. I had to. I'm just hitting puberty, man. I can't help it. No, I had uh, like two hours of sleep. So I think that might be contributing to some of the exhaustion today. Well, exhaustion's better than dying. So, okay. Just making sure. I recently went to uh, a guy's weekend with some buddies. Guys, night out. Yeah, exactly. We went to a cabin in the woods. It was great. And uh, one of them had a CPAP machine there. And he's like, you get, you know, like, hey, Fuzz, like, I remember you from college. You snore all the time. You should get a CPAP machine. So I went and did a sleep study. And I, I think it's a racket because, like, all the things they hook you up to, there's no way you're going to sleep like you normally sleep. And uh, that's why they have you go two nights. Yeah. Well, the second night I slept worse than the first. <laughs> but, uh, I'm sure they're going to tell me, indeed, I need a CPAP machine, which is fine, and I will wear one. But, um, yeah, it's it's funny as you get older and you're like, you know, you used to go out with your buddies and, you know, get hammered and, you know, whatever. And, and now we're talking about, like, CPAP machines and colonoscopies. And, <laughs> and I'm only 44. Yeah, no kidding. We're still, we're still young, Fuzz. We I know. We're still young. Yeah, me, young Greg, we're still young. You know, hey. Fuzz. Oh, sorry, Jeff, go ahead. No, I was going to ask Fuzz if you saw that video I sent him on the guys. Uh, did you watch that skit, Fuzz? Uh, which one? Um, the, the night you were actually out when doing your guys' night out, I sent you that video. Did you ever get a chance to watch it? I don't think I did. It was, uh, the, day, it was the Chappelle skit. Guys' oh, night out. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yes. Um, no, I did not watch it because I was in the middle of the Northwoods and watching videos was not a uh, 
uh, a thing, but I will go back and watch it soon. Like that's your homework. Yeah. So, so fuzz you, when you said you went to a cabin in the woods, if you would have said, Hey, Greg, what do you think a bunch of dudes from Wisconsin would go do? I would have picked, (laughs) that would have been the first thing I said. And then it would have been cheese and beer. Yeah. Well, there was, uh, Plenty of beer, but now as we're in our forties and some are like, well, you know, I'm lactose intolerant. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're like, hi, hi everybody. I brought this charcuterie board, uh, for our guys <laughs> well, night yeah, out. Yeah. Well, you know, um, you know, as we, as we get older and have more, you know, spending money, that makes That's sense. Right. That's right. Uh, I, we did, we do have a friend who's like, I, he's a running influencer. I may have talked about him on the show before, but he's a running influencer he has uh he's sponsored by asics and so he used to be you know just like us one of us uh and now he's like i brought you know tofu brats and uh, <laughs> and then he's you know like it's like you can cook it next to the meat but you know don't cook it in the meat <laughs> i'm like oh, okay but <laughs> like he's like i'm gonna get it out of the frunk of my tesla <laughs> actually he he drove in and it, it is uh nissan leaf <laughs> it was he literally plugged into the one of the only power outlets we had <laughs> did james just spike his phone he's like i can't i can't take it i'm out <laughs> for that reason i'm out yeah so so fuzz this is a real suggestion okay yeah. it's gonna sound crazy this is a real suggestion you can get some medical tape and okay. tape tape your mouth shut while you sleep. Okay. Google yeah. it. I, Google I, it. There's, I, I will Google it. And- there, there's a way to do it to where you don't suffocate and die. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there's I, a way. There's a way to do it to do it where you do suffocate and die. There's, so there's definitely a-, a way to do it <laughs> yeah, the other the, way. The troubleshooting page on that website doesn't get a lot of hits. <laughs> <laughs> the, the uh uh yeah, no, the, but apparently, apparently this is a thing. And, um, I read an article, you know, you can write anything and put it on the internet. It doesn't have to be true or false, but I read an article about how, how parents don't teach their kids to breathe out of their nose anymore. Okay. So like every kid is a mouth breather. We're growing a whole, <laughs> whole crop of mouth breathers. I don't even know what that means. I don't have kids. So I have no idea if this is bullshit or not, but, um, <laughs> the, uh, but, um, but uh, I guess if you're conditioned to breathe out of your mouth, you, you you could snore more than someone who's conditioned to breathe out of your nose. I, I don't know. This could all be bullshit. But but it led me down the rat hole of taping your mouth shut. So Google it and take a look at it. All right. Is that like uh, running with pennies in your mouth and keeps your mouth shut so you breathe through your nose more? And it it, it could be, but you you have to train yourself apparently to breathe out of your nose. I, I think we probably do it just because, you know, it's like my grandma always used to be like, quit breathing out of your mouth. Yeah. Close your mouth. Your oh, fly is going to fly in there. Google search result won't be nearly as bad as some of the other things I've looked up. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. So the other uh, exciting high point of my uh, time at the cabin in the woods. So as a cabin in the woods, uh, there's no, there's running water, but there's no like, you know, toilets. So there's a, uh, an outhouse and last day it's like, you know, warm weather, but it's the end of the season, which means the wasps are, uh, uh, hungry to find food before the end of the season. And, uh, last day, like 20 minutes before we were all pack up 
20 minutes before we left, um, you know, in the outhouse, I get stung right on the ass from a wasp uh, while, while in there. That wasn't uh, a wasp. It, yeah. Well, I was worried it was like, so one of my business partners got bit by a, uh, a black widow spider last year or two years ago. And, uh, so, you know, I was checking for spiders in the woods and, uh, I, I felt myself get stung and I'm like, Oh God, this better not be, you know, a spider. And thankfully it was just a wasp. So. Did you have to show your ass to your friends to verify that? I, so to, as, as a, a good friend, only a good friend would do, uh, as soon as I came out of the outhouse, uh, someone, and I said what happened, my first uh, friend that saw me said, do you want me to suck out the poison? <laughs> and, uh, the next person that heard, it's like, you want me to suck out the poison as a, uh, if, if you all know the, uh, uh, the Caddyshack deal. So, uh, it's like, what's in it for me? Um, yeah. That's so, funny. yes. So anyway, we're all good now. Then my car broke on the way to way back home and, uh, it dinged like I didn't a brand new car dinged. Like I didn't have my seatbelt on for three and a half hours. So, um, yeah, was, I swear, I swear new cars are the biggest pieces of shit, man. Yeah, I know. I know. So they gave me a Jeep gladiator Mojave as a loaner car, which makes me want to constantly drive off the road. So that's funny. Ed's, Ed's back, by the way. So Wait, I'm most, surprised the beeping noise for three and a half hours didn't make you want to drive off the road. But no, okay. that did. That totally did. And now <laughs> I have diff- like a different type of drive yeah, off the road. Yes, that wanted me to drive into a goddamn Bridget Monkman. Um, oh, oh, wait, sorry, it's getting late. You know, we have got to clean that up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Ed, you had a question before, and you had your hand raised for like an hour, and and we didn't get to. What was your question? Oh, you're out. You're a listener right now. He's he listening. Needs to be. Oh, here he comes. Here he comes. Jeff, you going to get him? Yeah. By the way, all this banter, if you, if you're listening to the podcast, the, you know, the, the podcast version of this and you get through the outro and the ads, I add this banter into the back. Oh, nice. I, I, I edit it a little bit depending on what we talk about, but, um, you know, so if you ever miss it and you, and you want to hear this part, like if this part is your favorite part, um, you know, in, I just thought, it, I thought it'd be fun. Yeah, I thought I thought it would be like a little Easter egg at the back. Nice. So I didn't. Add, what's up? I didn't actually have a question. I was actually going to comment on the uh, some of the talk about the PR stuff, especially sending out um, query letters to potential uh, writers about uh, covering your show. Uh, I was going to suggest that uh, people absolutely do not send blind uh, carbon copies. Oh yes. Um, because, uh, as you may or may not know, I was an entertainment reporter for 20 years for my own website. To this day, I still get 50 to 100 pitches a day to cover movies, film festivals, podcasts, and, and other uh, entertainment ephemera. And uh, it's fine if I'm getting it from a publicity person that I've been dealing with for 20 years. Um, because, you know, especially the big PR firms like uh, Rogers and Cowan and... Uh, I, that's one thing, but if I'm getting it from a smaller person, firm, or even an individual, don't don't blind carbon copy, and even worse, don't carbon copy 500 people at once. Uh, that happens at least once a month, 
from some newbie PR person who uh, is just in a rush and just copies and pastes an entire email list and puts it in the CC instead of the BCC. And uh, those are the ones that get thrown away first uh, when people are checking their morning emails, regardless of what it's about. So uh, I was just going to be more from the person who regularly receives pitches, uh, the do's and don'ts of what a reporter is looking for in an email. Um, and those are just some of the don'ts. Don't, don't do those things. From the decision report that I had quoted earlier, the 2022 State of the Media report, uh, 68% of journalists, are, when asked uh, what percentage of pitches received do you consider relevant, 68% said 0 to 25% of the pitches. So 0 to 1 of every 4 emails that they receive, 68% uh, said are completely irrelevant. Um, it was really just 1% that said that most were relevant. Imagine being a reporter like that, where you get a hundred pitches a day and none of them are worth a shit. Like, Oh my God. Uh, this is uh, I, I could have just like read this whole thing as a, what to do, uh, what can PR professionals or so in, in your case, what can, uh, podcast hosts or producers who are pitching their article to, uh, journalists do to make a journalist job easier. Uh, this was a check all that, uh, all that apply. One is understand my target audience and what they find relevant. Um, 63%, 57% provide me with data and expert sources when I need them. Uh, the third highest was stop spamming me. Um, yes. the fourth was provide a list of upcoming stories. They have planned to see if I'm interested in them. Um, provide short pitches with quick facts to enable me to produce short form content quickly. Understand and respect my deadlines, include multimedia, uh, photos and videos with their press releases and pitches, make themselves more easily accessible, provide their cell number in case I need to get in touch with them quickly. And the last one is other. So there you go. It's interesting. Inside I would say I would say I have to jump off here, guys. All right, let's roll. Let's let's wrap it up. Uh, I apologize. Most of those are are correct, Um, especially the one of know your target audience. Like I said, I get fifty Mm -hmm. to one hundred emails a day from from publicity people pitching me for, and I haven't written anything for Film Jerk in seven months. Yep. Uh, I'm pretty much I'm going to shut the site down very soon. I'm just trying to get everything off of it that I need to put on the '80s Movie Podcast website. But I get pitches from people who are like, you know, uh, we have airline expert so-and-so talking about, you know, this and that. It has nothing to do. It's like my website's called Film Jerk. I cover movies. I do not want to talk to airline people about airline disasters <laughs> that just happened in the Indian Ocean or, you know, something like that. So absolutely know who your target audience is. If you're a, a movie podcaster like me. I would say go for broke, go contact A.O. Scott and, and Manola Dargis at the New York Times, since they're the movie critics. You never know. Um, but at least you're targeting your pitch to movie people at the New York Times. So you know who you're pitching yep. and make, you know, but don't don't just be afraid because the worst thing's going to happen. They're just going to send you an email. They're not even going to respond. They'll just throw it away. But you didn't take your shot. And as uh, mm-hmm. Larry Bird one says you miss no i said wayne gretzky once said you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't make yeah 
All right. Thanks everybody. Jeff, thank you. No problem. Yeah. And Greg, I can't do, I mean, it's either all or nothing for me. No, no. I think, I think as long as I'm co-host, you can just oh. hang up and I'll, and, and... no, it's going to take you away. Mm, okay. Y- yeah. I swear to you. Once I hit end, like I do every single week, it is going to end. Can you hit leave? No, not an option. All right. Well, do it. I'm going to just stay here and make sure. Well, I mean, I can just, what I was saying is I can just lay my phone here and come back in five minutes and close it out. If you can no. keep talking. No, 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 we're good. No, this is just a test. We're done. Okay. I'm good. Right. Well, yeah, leaves not an option. So I'm hitting end. All right. Bye. All right good night. Y'all.